0: This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Deborah Brini. Deborah is the president of the Penn State Milton Hershey Medical Center. She's also president of the related Children's Hospital, and she'll tell us more about that. And the Penn State Medical Center is their academic medical center. Thrilled to have Deborah join us, and we'll talk to her about leadership, priorities, advice, and more. Deborah, can you take a moment to introduce yourself?
1: Sure, I'm um, Deborah Barini. Everyone calls me Deb, Scott, you're welcome to call me that too. And I, uh, as you mentioned, I'm the president of the Penn State Health Milton S. Hershey Medical Center and the Penn State Health uh, Children's Hospital. And I've been uh, serving in this capacity for nearly two years now.
0: Congratulations. Take a moment, running one of the great academic medical centers in the country, take a moment and tell us, you know, what you're proud of. Where do you take your pride in sort of the medical center, the children's hospital? What are the couple of core things that you look at in and, and and beam about?
1: Um, well, I'm really proud of our ongoing commitment to patient safety and zero harm in the environment and creating really high quality of care. That's something uh, that the medical center has been known for nationally. Uh, I I have to say I'm also really proud of how our medical center family has come together to support our community um, during the pandemic. We have immensely talented faculty and staff who've really rallied during the emergency response <clears throat> and provided you know, both individual support to the patients and families we were serving, but also really demonstrated everyday leadership and helping to find new ways to care for patients given the challenges we faced. And then I'd also say that I'm very proud of our organization's commitment to diversity and inclusion. That's something we've been recognized for our work in historically um, but the recent events have prompted both our college and our health system leadership um, and our leadership here at the medical center to continue to advance our organization's commitment to eliminate racism and bigotry within um, within our four walls
0: magnificent leadership focus on high quality zero errors the great coming together of your community there in a great history of trying to eradicate racism and bias and so forth, as well as just the entire response to COVID nineteen and the pandemic and briding your team. You became CEO or excuse me, president of the medical center two years ago. Talk about the journey that led you there. I mean you've got one of the great jobs in America, at least in terms of accomplishment being leader of one of the great academic medical centers. There's only a few hundred great academic medical centers in the country. Um, Talk about the leadership journey.
1: I'm a little unusual um, because I I set out very early in my career um, and this was my dream job. So when I did my graduate work many years ago, I made a goal that I wanted to be the head of an academic medical center uh, by a certain age. Um, And uh, I've uh, achieved that goal, um, and I've spent my entire career working in academic medicine. I um, started my, after my fellowship, started my first real job in organ transplantation at the University of Wisconsin, and then um, served as their first transplant director. Uh, for a number of years and then uh, moved on to the University of Alabama, where I had many operational roles um, within the organization and um, served as part of the executive team there uh, for a period of about eight years uh, before I was recruited to the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston, Texas, where I served as the health system chief operating officer before joining um, um, Penn State Hershey.
0: Congratulations. There are all these great studies about people that are able to set goals early and the difference in their careers that they have by clearly setting goals and career paths and plans. Any thoughts that you would share with, you had mentioned earlier, what would you share with the younger generation about that setting of goals? It seems so uncommon today that somebody who's in their 20s sets the goal that by X time they want to be president of a medical center. Talk a little bit about the importance of goal setting.
1: Yeah, for me, that was very important. And and honestly, it was probably a little foolish uh, at the time, because while I set that goal, did I completely appreciate what it would mean to be in this role Um, Probably not. Um, However, I think having set that goal and reflecting back uh, throughout my career, it did allow me to think very strategically uh, as I uh, accepted uh, additional responsibilities within the organizations I was in and to really to some extent, you know, curate an experience that would make me competitive for a job like this. Um, it, It also meant that Um, I had to be very agreeable to expanding um, my existing roles and taking risks in my career. Uh, It also meant moving, uh, as you heard in my experience, um, from different places to be allowed to grow professionally. Yeah, these are things that I talk to my fellows about for sure, that if they aspire to a role like that, these are things they need to consider in their planning for their careers.
0: And talk a little bit about, as I understood it, Madison, Birmingham, Galveston, you know, Penn State. (laughs) Yes, yes, but a famous, famous college town. I mean, a a truly famous college town. Talk a little bit about being in those different cities and reacclimating and so forth, socially, professionally, all those kinds of things.
1: Yeah. So. That, uh, I've learned that I can live anywhere and have a great life and be very happy, um, which is nice to be built that way, given the career I've had. Um, But it is culturally different, um, uh, both organizational culture, but then just the culture of the community is different among all of those places. And so attending to that, paying attention, uh, and learning how to adapt and learn new skills, um, uh, to be successful has been important as I've moved about um, to different parts of the country. And it's something to consider as you're moving Is you know, is this a place that I can have both a full um, life and also adapt to the work and the community culture.
0: Deborah, you've had this remarkable journey and, and really an un- unusual situation where early on you set clear goals. There's all these studies that show that people that set goals are a million times more likely to to have great accomplishments in life than people that don't. What kind of advice would you give to the fellows that you work with, to the others that you work with, about this ability to sort of set goals early on in life or in career for longer-term success? Mm Any thoughts along those lines?
1: Yeah. Um, So, I I think about my leadership as a deliberate practice um, that's really rooted in, in service. Um, service to our patients, service to our faculty and staff. And I um, am constantly looking for ways in which I can be of service to the organization or our community um, through um, learning and innovating and and, and building upon um, my leadership practice. Um, My practice includes being present and connected with the organization I spend two hours each week uh, shadowing with frontline staff. Um, This allows me to really be immersed in the organization, see what's working um, and what isn't firsthand and and build relationships really deep in the organization. Um, I've also, have other forums for listening um, to faculty and staff and answering their questions um, to maintain that connection. Uh, I also have a very um, important um, practice uh, that includes gratitude. So I spend time each week focused on personally recognizing the good work of faculty and staff. In fact, I have a a box of thank you notes on my um, desk right now um, to to individualize and personalize for all all of the many people that were involved in our COVID emergency response. Incident Command Center. Um, I also spend time reflecting on how to communicate the direction of the organization uh, through routine communication channels, storytelling. Um, I even do now selfie videos with, uh, which are interviews with our faculty and staff um, that focus on uh, the organization's direction and getting faculty and staff's take on, on where we're going. Um, And, you know, I think I spend a great deal of time finding, trying to find ways to expand my own development. And I've developed a group of individuals um, that I call upon as advisors, um, sort of a personal board, if you will, uh, that are people that I call when I'm grappling with um, a tough decision um, or need additional input uh, about how I'm handling uh, a leadership situation.
0: So, you've become this magnificent, directed, compassionate leader as an adult, um, you know, and, and is president of a major academic medical center, I assume that you're in the age category of whatever the age is, but you're no longer in your 20s or 30s. When you think about this, the, the ability to set such a clear path and take direction like you did. How much of that do you attribute to just that's how you were wired to begin with or to the parenting you got from your parents? What do you, what do you attribute that to? Because all of us would like our children to grow up to be like you, you know, to, to be leaders, to be compassionate, to be centered, highly intelligent and in, in trying to grow. Do you attribute it to how you're wired by nature or parenting or a mix of both? Or What are some of your thoughts on how you ended up with this clarity of direction and success?
1: Yeah, well, I think my family would tell you I came out of the womb with a plan. So some of it is how I was wired. But then I think many of my values that have guided me in my career are really deeply rooted in experiences with my parents, with my grandmother, who I spent a great deal of time with, who I really attribute to engendering the commitment to service. Uh, that I have. It's that connection and relationship I had with her and in her life, as an example, uh, had a deep impact on me. So I think it is a little bit of, of both, for sure.
0: And talk about how you set direction and how you think about strategy is you we've talked about it personally setting strategy. What about setting strategy for the health system or not so much the health system but for the medical center? How do you think about strategy? How do you go about looking at strategy? How do you think about those issues?
1: Yeah. So for us um, as a member hospital of a system, um, part of the way we think about strategy is how do we align with what Um, is strategically important for the broader system. Uh, But also, you know, we were actually in the middle of uh, working on our first strategic plan when um, COVID had us place a little pause on that. And we were spending time looking ahead uh, at where where healthcare is going, uh, what other um, kinds of Companies were trying to get into healthcare and, and trying to be very forward looking to position ourselves to effectively compete in a marketplace that's changing so rapidly and uh, in a marketplace that is having a significant shift at both ends of the spectrum of consumer expectation. So we were working to try and incorporate um, some of that. Um, Shifts in understanding the shifts in demographics, understanding um, the shifts in technology that are going to have profound impact on how we deliver care and thinking about how to position ourselves for success in that future.
0: Let me ask you a question about something you mentioned. You were working on a strategic plan right when COVID-19 hit more fully. What's your sense? Is everybody going to have to sort of start over the strategic plans in light of COVID? Or is this really in addition to strategic plans? How does that look for systems as they think about strategy? Yeah, I don't, uh,
1: for me, I I don't think that it fundamentally changes our strategy uh, because I believe we were going down a very good path in terms of how we were focusing our care. Uh, what One thing I will say that COVID-19 has done for us is it allowed us to accelerate our virtual health uh, work uh, at an incredible pace. Uh, we went from having a few clinics offering virtual health and doing really spectacular work. Actually, we had our ALS clinic um, providing virtual health visits, which was such a tremendous win for our patients who have mobility issues and difficulty coming to clinic and and expanded our reach to match where we're taking care of patients from long distances so that was a tremendous success before covid we've now gone from a couple of clinics to doing about 50 percent of our clinical visits uh, on virtual health so i think there is an area where covid will have a tremendous impact because it's accelerated Uh, our rate of change tremendously Uh, and so I think it will impact us in terms of what we're thinking of with respect to capital investment uh, and uh, models of care and how we'll deliver that care. But the basics and the core principles that we were planning around, I don't think those things will change.
0: Thank you very much and a fascinating perspective. Deborah, what an amazing career. I'm thrilled to have you joined us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Anything else you wanted to share with listeners? Any, any gratitude to the healthcare works during this period of time? Anything else that you wanted to share before I let you go?
1: I don't think so. I really appreciate the opportunity to be a part of the podcast and uh, to share a little bit about my story, so thank you.
0: Thank you. Simply remarkable career and, and professional accomplishments. Deborah. thank you and congratulations to you and to the Penn State Medical Center, the Children's Hospital, and really the entire system. Congratulations, and thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks, Scott.